Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited today to be with one of my favorite past students of, of all time, a 2013 graduate of our program, Kim Savedra. How are you, Kim? I'm doing well. You're making me blush over here now, though. <laughs> Thank know, you for the I know. Well, at least they can't see the blushing, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, you know, um, I, I I joke. Uh, I I joke sometimes when I'm posting the podcast and saying that I tell a lot of people they're they're one of my favorites, and <laughs> and 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 it's not being disingenuous at all because you know each and every. Each and every year, you know, we have a new a new cohort of students, and so uh, I, I tell anyone who will listen. And fortunately, that's many people um, that <laughs> Cal Poly students are just the greatest, and um, and so it's so much fun to catch up with you and to see you being successful and watching your career. Um, Kim is currently the uh, corporate. Uh, let me make sure I get this right. Senior manager <laughs> of corporate partnership activation for the Miami Dolphins in this um, uh, this this little organization that some of you may have heard <laughs> of, the National Football League. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Got to so. throw a jingle in there. But yes, it's it's been a whirlwind of kind of a just over a month, actually, since I've started the position. But yeah. it's been it's been amazing so far. Right on. And I really appreciate, you know, I, I, as uh, almost as soon, like, uh, Kim got the job and I think the next day I dinged her on uh, LinkedIn. I was like, Oh my goodness, congratulations. When are you going to do the podcast with me? <laughs> but, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time at a very busy time of the year. And so, um, I'm super excited to get there to the dolphins. Um, but you've had, um, you know, it hasn't been that long. You've been out of school for, I, I guess, eight years or so now. Um, and, um, and, and you've had a, a really awesome career up until this point. And so we'll eventually get to the dolphins, but I I want to start um, start from the beginning. Where are you from, Kimberly? Kimberly? Yeah, I grew up in Southern California um, in kind of a suburb of LA called Whittier. Okay. Where's, was Whittier, is that OC or is, what is that? Um, it's kind of a, a weird little spot in between Orange County and LA. Um, it's probably, honestly, I always explain it to sports people and saying that um, my house was 19 miles away from Dodger Stadium and 20 miles away from um, from the Angels Stadium. Oh, so right literally on. right in the middle, <laughs> right in the middle of LA and OC, just kind of a um, a cute little suburb, I not so. too little, but um, right, right in the middle of all the action. Is right. Fun. Is there anything little about Los Angeles? I don't know. Oh, gosh. <laughs> right, <laughs> Just right. goes on and on. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. So what, what did your parents do when you were growing up? Um, yeah. So my mom was a seventh and eighth grade English teacher, right. um, which was very fun, especially when she was my own English teacher. Yeah. Um, and then my dad uh, was in business. He actually worked for uh, an aerospace engineering company called Northrop Grumman. Oh, no way. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, is that where the Cal Poly connection comes in? Was your dad a Cal Poly grad? Uh, he was actually not a Cal Poly grad. Okay. Um, but when I was when I was young, and I'm sure we'll get to this in a sec. Yeah. Um, he 
so he worked at, at TRW, which got absorbed by Northrop Grumman. Right. Um, and then at that point, Northrop Grumman contributes quite a bit to the engineering, aerospace, and then also business schools. Yeah. Um, and so they invited him to be on the uh, College Business Board of Directors. So he started being on the Board of Directors when I was seven. And, oh, cool. uh, and that's when I decided that I was going to go to Cal Poly. <laughs> right on. That's awesome. You went with him to San Luis Obispo and, and saw, I, uh, saw slow and, and fell in love. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, as a, as a kid, he would bring up the, the whole family for the OCOP business meetings. And then, um, of course, every April for, um, Cal Poly's open houses. And that's when I absolutely fell in love with slow in the spring and saw the baby horses. And of course it's like a seven, eight year old. I was like, yes, I want to go to a school where there are horses. <laughs> right, right. Wow. That is awesome. Well, when you said, um, Northrop Grumman, I knew that of course, that, that that's one of our, our biggest employers with, with our aerospace engineering program and, and all of that. Yes. So I thought there might be a connection. So I'm sorry for jumping ahead there, you know, a little bit, nope, but that, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. So <laughs> what about, um, what about, uh, siblings? Do you have any brothers or sisters or? I do. Um, I am the baby. So I have an older sister. She's two years older than me. Um, and she's actually also a Cal Poly grad. She was college of business 2011 and then an older brother who's four years older. Um, and he went to, um, Cal Berkeley. Okay. Right on. Well, that's exciting. You know, I can't tell you how many, um, even ones that I didn't know about, um, that, that I interview on the podcast that had siblings or parents, or there's, there's all, there's always some, uh, connection to Cal Poly with that. Um, that's so cool. I love, I love hearing that. So tell us what, um, tell us what a uh, little Kim was like, were you, uh, w- did you, um, when you were growing up, did you, uh, or was your jam sports? Um, you're, you're working for a sports team now. So, uh, usually that means you were an athlete growing up Were you an athlete. <laughs> I was, I was. So I've always been, you know, a, a big sports person. And I think, you know, truly the the underlying cause to that is I just wanted to be outside. Right. Um, as a kid, I was always obsessed with going on hikes, going on adventures, just exploring the world around me. And I think, um, you know, that's one thing as I started getting a little bit older, kind of middle school age, I realized that, you know, I could spend less time doing my homework inside if I was mm-hmm. playing sports. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm sure not what my parents want wanted to hear, but, um, you know, I definitely had an affinity for it. Um, I played, uh, flag football starting in fifth grade as well as basketball starting in fifth grade too. So, um, played flag football up until about middle school and then, um, played basketball through high school. Nice. I I love that flag football in your past. That's cool. That's really awesome. And and, and you know, (laughs) that, um, that balancing sports and and homework, um, and Mm -hmm. that, that gives you good time management skills, right? That's all that does. Right. (laughs) Well, well, exactly. Exactly. Well, let's talk about, you know, I've been using this as an example. Um, when you, do you remember, um, do you remember what you thought would be your ideal job? Was there was there something that you know you dressed up as a, ho- a Halloween costume or something <laughs> like that? That's like really memorable. What that you thought you wanted to be? You know, it's 
it's kind of funny. I was actually just listening, you know, kind of in preparation for this call, I was listening to some of your other podcasts and I was listening yeah. to the one with, with Greg Belgum and I was like, okay, I better be ready for this question. Oh yeah. You um, heard it already. And, huh? <laughs> and I'm going to embarrass myself here, but I, I think when I was eight or nine, I was determined that I was going to be a bug scientist. Cause like I said, I just loved being outside and I loved all the, you know, the critters and, mm. and everything like that. And so I told my mom that I wanted to be a bug scientist. I didn't even know what that was, but I just right. want to play with bugs. Right. And so there's a, there's a photo of, of teeny tiny me in this white lab coat with all these little plastic bugs. <laughs> I love it. That is so um, fun. Did, now, did it, you end it, up taking? Did you end up taking one of those classes at Cal Poly where they walk around with a net? Um, I, I see those I kids. Sure, I sure did. I, I can't remember which biology class it was. I was always, even <laughs> once I got into college, I kind of once I realized math was not my forte. You know, people correctly started steering me away from the sciences. Right. Um, but um, I, I did take that class, and I remember when they announced that project everyone was like we have to do what we have to catch how many bugs uh-huh. and I was thrilled you're like, like yes <laughs> 18 19 year old me was like I know exactly where I'm going I'm gonna run out to like the horses and there's uh-huh. um, out to the architect architecture graveyard and there's gonna be tons of bugs out there and I people are it. looking at me like what, what are you talking about um <laughs> but as, as far as <laughs> I was gonna say though as far as you know when when did I kind of you know, really, really decide, obviously the bug scientist thing didn't, didn't really work out. Right. Um, but when I was in seventh grade, I went on a field trip, uh, to Catalina. So mm-hmm. the seventh graders at my school, um, got to go on kind of this five day trip where we went to Catalina and we essentially lived this outdoor, um, experience where we we're doing leadership classes and exploring, um, marine biology and ecology and, and learned mm-hmm. all about recycling mm-hmm. and, um, you know, caring, caring for the earth. And I just absolutely fell in love with that camp. And I still remember my, <laughs> my, my camp counselor's name was Dakota. Yeah. And that's when I decided I'm like, I want to be a summer camp counselor for life. Yeah. How, how do I do this? And this was seventh grade. And my parents were like, okay, like, I don't think that's really a career, but you know, (laughs) luckily they were, they were really nurturing and they're like, all right, figure out how to do it. You know, if you want, if you can make a career out of it, you know, go figure it out. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I found RPTA, um, as, as it was formally, formally called. Right. Um, and it was, um, I was going to say was Jacobs, was Jacobs still around when you were, um, when you were in school, I couldn't remember. He was, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. yeah, luckily, um, we left at the same time. So I was oh. incredibly fortunate um, to have Dr. Jacobs there all four mm. years that I was there. Um, oh, and cool. he was hugely impactful uh, at, sure. during my time at, at Cal Poly. I am sure. Well, well, shout out to Dr. Jacobs. Absolutely. <laughs> and, um, and those, uh, those uh, who were here at Cal Poly, I guess Dr. Jacobs was probably in 2003 to 2013 then about a 10 year period that 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 he was a professor at, at Cal Poly and um yeah, yeah what a what a great guy and a, and a and a great um testament to to actually making camp uh a a, a reality <laughs> in terms of a career and so um but you didn't end up going in that direction so we'll 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 talk about that as we as we get there I am curious with with a dad who is an, both an engineer 
and <laughs> and Ocob in terms of uh, yeah. in terms of um, you know the 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 advisory board, and then with a sister in business, um, what, mm-hmm. were they supportive when you when you found recreation parks and tourism? Yes. 100%. I mean, I think, you know, my, my parents had no question that I was going to Cal Poly. I started telling everyone that I ever met starting when I was seven, like I'm going to Cal Poly. So it was really just a matter of, you know, what, what did I want to do with my, with my life? And luckily my parents were, um, were always incredibly, like I said, super nurturing, super guiding and said, um, you know, if, if it's something that's going to make you happy and if you can, you know, feel independent, like you want to be, then go for it. Why not? Um, and you know, so luckily I went to an open house at some point when I was in high school, still having this dream of being a summer camp counselor for life. And, um, we found the, the RPTA booth and started talking to everyone there. And I was so excited. I'm like, I found it. It's here. And it's already, it's already at the college that I want to go to. Um, and my parents, were equally as excited as I was. And so, you know, it was, it was a no brainer for me. Like I have to go to Cal Poly. I have to be a parks and rec major and uh, yeah. So here I am. So here you are. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, I I do want to talk a little bit about your time at Cal Poly and, and um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I know very well how involved you were when you were here, (laughs) when you were here, you, you did a little bit of everything and, um, and, and it's such a, you know, I, I tell students that all the time, Kim, that, that, you know, um, they asked me, well, 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 what should I do? I should, you, you should just sample, you know, sampling is, a, it's a great time to sample and figure out what you want to do. And, and by sampling, I mean, try lots of different things, right? I mean, you have 1000 hours that you have to get in. So um, don't just do it. Don't just do it uh, mindlessly, do it with a purpose and, and figuring out, um, you know, exactly what you're interested in. And so I know you were involved with, um, with all kinds of different things, a lot of sport, but also, um, you know, some event coordination and, and, and mixed in there and, and PR and marketing and all kinds of different things. When you think about your time at Cal Poly and, and that real learn by doing centered environment, um, is, is there something that really stands out for you as, as um, you, you know, something that really propelled you moving forward? Great question. Um, you know, and I, before I answer that, I kind of wanted to spin off of something you just said. And, yeah. um, you know, you mentioned the the thousand hour internship. And I think when I started at Cal Poly and luckily had amazing professors like you and, um, you know, Marnie Goldberg and the whole team. Uh-huh. And I think everyone, you know, really helped instill the idea of, yes, you have your thousand hours, but you don't have to wait until you're a senior to start that. Um, and when I, when I started at I college, wanna, I don't want to interrupt, I, but I, I don't want to interrupt, but I love the way you framed it. The 1000 hour internship. That's like, that's how you should treat it. I love that. That's not really what it is, but that's the way you should treat it. So I love that. Go yeah, ahead. Sorry. Yeah. It's, no, no, you're good. Um, but I think, you know, I, I went to Cal Poly and I knew I wanted to absorb as much as possible. And I, I kind of looked at the, you know, the four years ahead of me and said, I want all of it. How do I do as much as possible? How do I meet as many people as possible? I was just so excited about the opportunities that laid in front of me that I didn't even know about that, you know, I just wanted to talk to everyone and be involved in everything. Um, Cause at the end of the day, 
I, I didn't truly know what was going to happen at the end of four years. Right. And, you know, I think sometimes when you when you're not sure what you want to do, you have to figure out what you don't want to do. And by sampling all of those things, you can say, okay, cool. I tried this really don't like it. So now I'm going to try something else. Um, and I think, you know, Holly really just with the learn by doing attitude really gave me, um, kind of the structure to do that, but also just the confidence to say, you know, Hey, I'm going to try this. And if I fail, or if I just don't like it, then we'll move on and I'll try something else. You know, it's, it's such a great opportunity. Um, you know, with that said, you know, some, some of the most impactful experiences I think that I had at Cal Poly um, was being a wow leader. Um, you know, obviously I think wanting that, that summer camp counselor mentality for life, I was like, yes, 100%. And I knew, you know, after going through wow myself, knowing how impactful of an experience that was the wowie, I knew I wanted to have that experience and, and give that experience an opportunity to other, um, you know, other freshmen coming in. Um, and then, you know, also really just kind of exploring the different paths within experiential within our PTA and looking at the sports program and the events program. Um, and then, you know, I found, um, I found Dr. Jacobs classes for, um, some of the abroad trips that we did and went to Belize and went to Costa Rica. And I think that's when I really realized that, um, you know, I was, I was so excited to try new things and to get out of my comfort zone and, and be more independent. Um, but ultimately I think probably the, the biggest impact that I, that I had was during my internship, um, in Chile was so incredibly amazing. I learned so much about myself, about my capabilities and, um, really learned how much I can kind of stretch myself. Um, and, and really be out of my comfort zone and still, you know, be okay and still thrive and and have a good time. Yeah. Tell us what that internship was all about and how, how you found it and all that. Yeah. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember how I, how I found it. Um, but you know, so I was just talking about the experiences of, of going to Belize, um, with Dr. Jacobs, I think it was like RPGA 412 or something like that. Um, I mean, I had, I kind of, if I had guessed, I would have guessed that you were a two-time, uh, a, a, a two-time going abroad with Dr. Jacobs. Um, and for our listeners who, who don't know what what Kim's talking about, um, Dr. Jacobs, um, when, when he was here, developed um, a study abroad program that was over spring break, and. Um, and quite honestly, th- those who are, are around now who aren't getting that opportunity are probably like, well, why aren't you offering that? Well, Dr. <laughs> Jacobs had worked out. Yeah, he had worked <laughs> out this amazing deal that we can't replicate and they won't let us replicate now. And so we've been trying to get it back going, something um, something going. And Dr. Goldenberg and Dr. Schwab have, have um, done various things. But um Dr. Jacobs somehow had worked worked miracles while he was at Cal Poly and figured out a way to do a spring break trip. So it was it was pretty <laughs> awesome, yeah, that you got to experience that. But go ahead. Yeah, so, yeah. it's it's so true, and and I know it's a tease for anyone who's actively um, you know in the experiential RPTA program at this point. Um, but just to kind of to sum it up, so it was really an opportunity for us to. Um, kind of act as travel tourism leaders. We built out our our own trips and then one was chosen and and we actually went on it. Um, But it was all about the 
the, the travel industry and really learning about the management aspects of it. Um, specifically with our trips, we looked at ecotourism um, and just sustainable tourism practices. And so we were able to kind of travel around, do interviews with um, hospitality providers in, in Belize when I went uh, in 2010, my freshman year. And then I went again my junior year because I couldn't get enough um, to Costa Rica. And so, you know, truly an incredible experience. But it also made me realize that um, it, it gave me the confidence to to go abroad. Um, and obviously, that was very much a, a group setting. Um, and, and I traveled abroad to Spain as well um, through another Cal Poly program. And, you know, so when it when it came to my senior year and when I was looking at kind of all of the opportunities um, in front of me, because really, for me, I was like, why not? Like, let's consider everything here. Um, and kind of looked at it like, if I'm going to do something big, I let's do it now, because who knows when I'll have the experience or opportunity uh, another time. And so I want to say that um, Marty Goldberg, one of the professors had sent out an email um, you know, to, to seniors, you guys are always sending out emails saying, Hey, this internship's available, this internship's available. Yeah. And so I, I opened one of those emails and it was about this, um, adventure, um, uh, essentially it was an adventure race that was happening in, in Patagonia, Chile. Yeah. And you had to be, or it requested that you be at least intermediate, if not advanced Spanish, because the day to day was almost hundred percent in Spanish. Um, which I was not quite comfortable with. Um, but at the end of the day, it was really, they needed an intern who was going to be event savvy, help to kind of work on um, race logistics as well as logistics for photographers, and then also help um, support press efforts for international press that we're traveling in. And I looked at it and thought to myself, am I 100% qualified for this? My Spanish is okay. It's not great by any means. And I've never done photographer logistics, but you know, I, I have a lot of events experience from my time doing other internships and and things with RPTA and you know, have some experience with writing through um, the program that you had, the newsletter that we put together. And at the end of the day, you know, I, I kind of talked to my parents about it and and talked to my internship coordinator at Cal Poly at RPTA and realize I'm like, I don't have to be 100% qualified for it. I'm going to put my name in the hat and they can tell me if I'm not qualified for it. And so I went through the interview process, the entire, I had two different interviews. They were both in Spanish and that was horrifying, but I somehow made it through. They decided my Spanish was good enough and I got accepted to be an intern with them. And so in December of my senior year, I flew down to Chile and then down to Santiago and then kept going like another four hours to get all the way down to, to Patagonia. But um, spent the next, you know, three and a half months there, essentially my entire winter quarter um, in Patagonia working on this expedition race. That was absolutely incredible um, and definitely got me used to wearing a number of different hats um, from race logistics to helping to secure housing to working with the press. Um, but really, I think, you know, the, the biggest learning from that experience, and I apologize if this answer is running very long, um, but no, the biggest awesome. learning from that, yeah, thank you. So um, really coming out of that experience was the 
my confidence level in being able to communicate with a number of different people at, you know, various levels. So whether it was an intern, whether it was someone who'd been in the industry for 10 years um, and from people from all around the world. Um, So from the interns, there was a girl from Germany. There was a girl from Brazil. There was a girl from um, Portugal. You know, we were from all over the world and we didn't all necessarily speak the same language. Um, which made it really tough at times because, you know, sometimes when you're exhausted and you've been working at a, you know, 10, 12, 14 hour day, um, your Spanish kind of goes out the window and you're just doing charades and you just learn to laugh it off and say, you know, what, maybe we'll figure this out in the morning. <laughs> but, um, you know, overall, it. just the opportunity to kind of have that time and, and take learn by doing by the horns, literally, right. um, and just, and try it out and trial it out. Um, and, and learn through experience was something I'll, I'll never, never forget for sure. I love it. And, and, you know, um, I, 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 I have to be honest, I, I don't remember your, um, your, your Patagonia Chilean, um, internship. Um, but I knew, <laughs> like, I remember we featured you for your NASCAR internship. You had a NASCAR internship yes. where you, yes. um, if I remember that was like a really competitive process where, right where they only hired like five students nationally or something like that to be interns um yeah tell us uh, tell us about that also yeah great great question honestly i kind of almost forgot about it too yeah um which i don't know how but so that was um pretty crazy so um you know talking about one thing i think we kind of skipped over was how did i go from being a summer camp counselor to sports management right, and that right. was thanks Thanks to your class, um, you know, so I, I took intro to sports management, was pretty confident. I'm like, no, I like playing sports. I like watching sports. I don't think I want to be involved in sports. And then I took your, I took your intro to sports management class and absolutely fell in love with the idea. just completely 180. Um, and was like, I I think this is what I want to do. I think I want to pursue this. I want to at least learn more, um, about how to get involved. And, so I think you turned us all on to Teamwork Online, yeah. which is for, for anybody listening that doesn't know, it's a um, an online platform that posts all professional sports jobs and internships as well. And so I signed up for their emails just to learn about internships. You can kind of customize it. Apparently, I'm an ad for Teamwork Online now. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> but I did. Sponsored by. I, did. <laughs> I know, sponsored by. Um, but so I, I came across this internship opportunity. And it was really just kind of a, it was more of a mentorship opportunity, if I remember correctly. And it was for a weekend with NASCAR out at their Fontana race in Southern California. And um, I'm just trying to remember how this happened. And so I figured, you know, why not? It's in Southern California. The dates actually lined up perfectly with our spring break that year. I'm like, ah, I'll be at home anyway, which is only about 45 minutes away from the track or so. Um, and so I signed up to be completely honest, forgot about it. Um, and then, you know, maybe two, three weeks before spring break, I get a call and it's NASCAR wanting to interview me. And I was just like, uh, what? <laughs> so, yeah. And so I'm, I'm on campus, like on my way to class and I just plopped down on the grass where I was and I was like, okay, interview mode. Yeah. And, you know, so they start asking me a million questions and then, you know, long story short, they ended up giving me the opportunity to come out to the race, 
which was amazing. And so essentially what the mentorship program was, was kind of a, a three day, you know, let's walk. They only chose three, three people. Um, we were all sports management or so um, majors, all mm-hmm. from different schools. I think one of the girls went to San Jose and I can't remember where the other person went, um, but they essentially toured us around and, and showed us what it takes to put on a NASCAR race in a weekend. Right. And, you know, so we went, we met with the marketing people, we went with the sponsorship people, the sales people, hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also met with broadcast operations and, you know, <laughs> me, while I was at Cal Poly, I was always very career oriented. And so beforehand, before I went on this little weekend excursion, I went to Staples, I printed out little business cards for myself, just yeah. very overachiever. Yeah. And so I went with my business cards. I'm like, I am ready. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it was just talking to everybody, asking a million questions, just kind of being my my own curious self um, and struck up this, this great conversation with who ended up being the director um, of broadcast operations for NASCAR. Right. Gave him my business card. We had a really great conversation. And then um, after the race, he, he gave me a call later the next week and was like, Hey, I just want to follow up, see how your weekend was. And I was like, wow, that's really thoughtful. Um, and he was like, you know, Hey, I was incredibly impressed by how prepared you were. You had business cards. You're a sophomore in college. Um, what are you doing this summer? Uh, I have, uh, what they call a runner position or a production assistant position. And I think you'd be perfect. I'd love to help, you know, continue introducing you to NASCAR. And my jaw just completely dropped. Like, (laughs) how how did I make this happen? Amazing. Um, so of course I accepted, like, how do you not accept that? Um, not a NASCAR fan at all. Um, you know, I, I think (laughs) I've never been to a big event, big event logistics. You are a fan of, right? (laughs) Yeah. 100%. I mean, and, and at the time, I mean, this is spring break of my sophomore year. So I'm still really figuring it. I think I just taken sports management class and, you know, but I think, you know, it's, it's really looking out for windows of opportunity like that and, and always being naturally curious and, and not being afraid to talk to people regardless of their position. And, and it's always going to open doors. Right. And, you know, so without any hesitance, I'm like, yes, hundred percent. What do I do? What, what does a production assistant do? Um, and so I ended up working with them for two summers, uh, which was absolutely amazing. So I actually traveled with um, what was then called the Sprint Cup. It's now, I think, Monster Sprint something or Monster um, Race. But I traveled around to, I think it was six races every summer. Um, so essentially, immediately once Cal Poly was done, I went to the first the first race and then all the way um, through the end of the summer uh, in, you know, in September um, and got to attend, they flew me back and forth, you know, East coast, Midwest, back home every single week. Um, and you know, it was grueling hours. It was absolutely crazy. I made, um, lots of overtime thanks to all of the extra hours. Um, but it really opened my mind up, um, you know, at a, at a very, you know, kind of early career age to being flexible with travel and knowing how to be, you know, a a responsible traveler, especially when you're representing a company. Um, And so, you know, I had that great opportunity really, really early on um, at Cal Poly. That was very cool. (laughs) Very, very cool. And and honestly, um, you know, I, and I'm sure we'll get to this in a little bit, but um, 
some of the people that I met at NASCAR in the broadcast compound, I still see today. Um, at I saw at figure skating events, I saw when I was working for the marketing agency, and I still see now at NFL events because it is a very small world <laughs> once you actually get into it. Right. I was going to say, you know, I, I, as you're talking, I was thinking to myself, like, wow, I wonder if those connections like continue to benefit her. And so let, let's fast forward ahead, right? So you, you graduate, and, and um, I'm really curious uh, what ended up taking you to Colorado Springs. Was um, the position with the, the switchbacks, was that what took you to Colorado Springs, or, or was there something else? Um, no, so I kind of picked that up as, I don't want to say a, a side hustle, but just a, a second opportunity. But okay. um, what brought me to Colorado Springs was U.S. figure skating initially. Okay, so was. I worked with, okay. yes, yeah. So I worked with U.S. figure skating for five years yeah. um, and, and I didn't get that job right out of college. Um, I actually had kind of a tough time getting a job right out of college. And I think that was, a, you know, an incredibly humbling experience, but one that made me work so much harder um, at my first job right out of college. And, but I, I really kept my eye on the prize. I knew I wanted to work in sports. I, I loved the opportunity working with NASCAR and, and working um, on the race in Chile. And I, I knew that's where I wanted to be. Right. And, you know, so I, I kept applying, I got a job to, you know, help pay the bills and, and yeah. keep me living independently. Yeah. Um, and then I finally, you know, it, almost exactly a year after um, after I accepted my first job, I accepted my second job at U.S. Figure Skating, yeah. um, which was as the uh, marketing and partnerships coordinator for U.S. Figure Skating. Right. So I'm um, I'm really curious. So you so you you went um, you went down this road, or you've gone down this road that has been really marketing related, right? And so I'm curious, um, I'm curious to, to find out like that experience with, with, with us figure skating. I mean, that, that had to be, that had to be so cool. I mean, <laughs> such a, you know, I, 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 I recognize that most of us really only watch every four years. Right. But I mean, um, but it is such a, such a, big thing that's that's like built in the fabric of of our um of our nationalism of our of our world in terms of um mm -hmm. everyone watches figure skating for year for every four years right and so that must it's have been an amazing what, what what was that like what was that experience like yeah absolutely i mean it's it's incredible to just kind of get swept up in, in the whole Olympic world, um, you know, and, and U.S. figure skating being a big part of that with, you know, the figure skating team being one of the one of the big focal points during the Winter Olympics. Um, so what what initially drew me to Colorado Springs and to Colorado, um, you know, I was kind of expanding my horizons, obviously, outside of California, outside of, you know, the the two or three big cities that I was really looking at. Um, and I, I had actually done my um, my senior project on mega events and looking at kind of the the impacts, positive and negative of mega events like uh, like the Olympics kind of around the world. And so, you know, I kind of had my pulse on. Um, you know, what the Olympic Committee was doing here in the U.S., but didn't actually realize in all of my research um, that most of the national governing bodies, figure skating being one of them, um, were actually kind of clustered in Colorado Springs around the U.S. Olympic Committee. Um, so, you know, once I started diving into that, I found a whole new grouping of really sports that I hadn't kind of considered. You know, I think when you think of when you think of sports, everybody thinks about the sports you see every weekend. Right. You know, so that's football, basketball, you know, MLB, looking at 
um, you know, all of those bigger sports. And, you know, it was kind of like a light bulb went off in my head, like, duh, <laughs> that would be so cool. Um, and so I, I applied, um, for the position at us figure skating and, you know, really they, they went out on a limb for me. And I think, um, you know, one thing that's a little bit tough with sports is a lot of sports like to kind of pick and choose between, you know, once, once you get into sports, you're really in, in the sports circle, um, which is great, but breaking in is, is definitely tough. Um, but working at us figure skating was amazing because it, you know, a very unique experience because it's it's a professional world. It's a, it's a sport. It's a very large sport, obviously part of the Olympics, but it's also a nonprofit. Um, so which brings a whole other world of organizational structure that you might not think of, um, that it would be a nonprofit, but at the same time, you know, you're working with semi-professional athletes that are competing, you know, at the team USA level, all the way down to introducing, you know, two, three and four year olds to the ice for the first time. And, you know, so the, the fun part for me was I got to wear so many hats um, in marketing and partnerships with us figure skating, um, where, you know, I got to help lead the brand um, of, you know, figure skating, um, all of our, you know, brand repositioning that we did um, to kind of help get new athletes into the sport, um, as well as, some of the bigger uh, impacts that we were making from a Team USA level of getting into big publications, getting, you know, big interviews, and then obviously, um, you know, going through an Olympic, uh, an Olympic year, which is always really, really exciting. So it was a whirlwind of a five years, you know, it's, it's crazy how quickly it goes. Um, But I, I learned so, so many fundamentals um, from an events perspective, from, you know, major gifts, marketing, you know, I really had the opportunity to get my hands in everything, which, you know, truly set me up for success, you know, following that and, and up until today, which right. has been really awesome. Right. Now, was that Sochi? Was that, was that, did you get to go to Sochi? I did not. So unfortunately, I didn't get to go um, to an Olympic. So I started um, in 2014, right after Sochi. Um, oh, okay. So Sochi had been January of 2014. And I started at the very end um, in November of 2014. Okay. So I stuck around for Pyeongchang, which was 2018. Oh, right. oh okay. Yes. Sorry. Yes. That's not my no, Olympic no. trivia. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. So, you know, um, uh, so we come down off of a high of, of Olympics, right? And um, and now uh, let, let's talk a little bit. You know, in any career, there are um, there are ups and downs and highs and lows, and 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 obviously, um, so many in, in our industry over the last couple of years um, have had to go through difficulties, right? With, with, um, the uncertainty of, of a global pandemic hitting and, and, and not knowing, you know, what, what's going to happen next. And, um, I, I'm sure that was, um, I'm sure that was very hard. Um, I, I know it was hard on, on so many, um, we obviously, we always obviously have a success story coming out of it, right. And, and landing, um, landing on your feet. So we know that, but, um, but I think it's also important for, um, for students and and young professionals to to hear the stories and to hear um, what you know what you learned through the experience. So so tell us about your experience um, during the pandemic. What 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 happened? What what jobs you what jobs you worked in? And and what ended up happening coming out the other side? 
Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, I mean, definitely the the pandemic, I think, was such a heavy impact for so many people. Um, and, and I had just transitioned. So I left U.S. figure skating at the end of 2019 um, and decided to pursue uh, pursue kind of a, a different opportunity in Florida, which is when I moved out here uh, in the summer of 2019 um, to work for a marketing agency. And we were doing experiential event marketing. So I essentially was taking some of the, the partnership related and event related skills from U.S. figure skating um, and applying them on a very not very different, but a bit of a different level um, with with an agency. And so got the opportunity to start working at music festivals and food and wine festivals and kind of seeing what it was like from an agency side of things, um, which is a very, very different uh, you know, perspective and, and way of working, way of operating a company from, you know, being more what we call on the brand side um, at U.S. figure skating. So I was I was really fortunate. I had that I had that position for eight months or so. And then the pandemic hit. And, you know, truly for us, our entire operation was based in major events. You know, we were preparing for Coachella. Um, you know, one of my big clients, Patron, I was about to go on a, a 10 city music festival tour with them over the summer. And so when when the pandemic really, you know, settled into the US and and started shutting down all of those big music festivals and food and wine festivals, our agency came to a screeching halt, um, which which was tough. Um, but I think, you know, when when you're in the event business, you you learn how to pivot. And you learn how to put out fires and you learn really how not to panic, (laughs) which I I think is the biggest part is, um, you know, you you really learn how to rely on all of your resources and you learn, okay, what's next? How do I how do I be successful in any scenario? Um, You know, and so I think everything that I learned, all of the event internships that I did at Cal Poly, all of the events that I did leading up to it um, really helped me kind of handle the the pandemic and the shock of all of that. Right. With some grace, if I don't pat myself on the back here. No, um, I, but- I love it, Kim. I, I hate to interrupt here, but I just, I, what you just said, I've heard, um, I've heard that word pivot probably, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a thousand times more than I thought I would ever hear pivot. Right. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> unless I was a basketball coach t- uh, teaching about, uh, teaching about down low in the paint. Right. Oh, um, gosh, and, yep. <laughs> but, but the way, the way you just used it and the way you summarized, um, that, that sums up almost every event professional that I've talked to in the last uh, year has, uh, no one has been able to articulate it like you just articulated it. And um, mm-hmm. I think it's just, it, it's like, it was so eye-opening for me just a second ago to hear you say that because it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. Everything you learn in event management and working events, right? I mean, and that's why, honestly, Kim, I, I can't, I'm not a special events person. Because I'm one of those, I'm one of those guys that does panic, and everybody sees the the panic on my face, and they're like, yeah, you know, I don't handle stuff like that very well. And um, I so admire, um, I so admire people in the events and and marketing world who are, who are able, who who really did, on a dime, were able to figure out a way to to pivot, and it, it really was, it really was quite astounding. So I'm sorry to interrupt that, but that was just. A really awesome moment. <laughs> so, so continue. No, no, that. I 
I appreciate the interjection. Um, but yeah, so so really, you know, it, it kind of forced all of us to take a pause and and really take a look at, you know, what what can we do? You know, what are our opportunities? How do we pull in all of our resources? Um, and, you know, luckily with the experiences that I had, um, you know, truly from figure skating and from my first job, actually, at, at the hotel that I worked with um, at in Pismo, I did have, you know, a considerable amount of, um, of experience in digital marketing and social media marketing. And so I, I began to just immediate really, immediately rely on that, right? Like we knew everything in kind of the physical world as we knew it was shutting down or hitting pause and, and everything was going digital. So I was like, okay, how do I go digital? How do I reposition my skills um, and find something new? Because at the end of the day, I need a job to, you know, help pay my bills. And, you know, so I... I got incredibly lucky. You know, I started applying like crazy. I wasn't definitely wasn't going to wait um, and just kind of see, you know, what what income came in from unemployment or anything like that, because, you know, it's just for me, too. I wanted to be doing something. I'm like, if I'm going to be stuck at home, I need to do something or I'm going to go crazy. Um, and so I got really, really lucky and landed a job with a, a new e-commerce company and, you know, was again, kind of looking at the skill set that was required. And it was one of those moments of like, okay, do am I 100% confident? Do I know 100% of everything on this list? And I think, you know, at the end of the day, that's something that every time I look at a new position, I remember, you know, I don't need to know 100% of the things on this requirements list, I need to go in and learn it. And if there's something that I don't know, I need to self educate. And I think, you know, the amount of self education that I've done in the last two years or so has been absolutely wild. And and I got really lucky, it was, you know, two guys working on a startup with this e commerce company. And, you know, our personalities got got along really well. And there, there were a number of skill sets, obviously, I wasn't completely incompetent. Um, but I was able to go in and, and they gave me um, a lot of patience and said, you know, let's put to work all of the skills that you do have. And when you don't know something, let's figure out, you know, a path and, and make sure that you can get educated on it. Um, and luckily, you know, through LinkedIn learning and, and a ton of, you know, different um, online courses was able to kind of brush up on Google Analytics and, you know, really learned an incredible amount in, you know, in, in just a year um, that I was with the company, which was great. And then, um, you know, from from there, got this really interesting opportunity. Um, the agency that I was working with um, started kind of coming back to life after, oh gosh, I guess, yeah, about after about a year. And they were taking on um, a new uh, a new vodka company called Organica Vodka and desperately needed support in just kind of organizing all of their marketing efforts. And so my old boss called me and she said, Hey, you know, I know you have this position, but here's an opportunity that I think might be interesting for you to, you know, really take over um, marketing. It's, it's a short term thing, but if you're interested, um, let me know. And so I decided, you know, what I really learned was e-commerce wasn't truly my thing. You know, it, it got me through the pandemic, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I'm a people person. Like I want to interact with people. I want to be client facing um, or, or, you know, just have some sort of customer service aspect. I don't want to write blogs all day. And so I said, you know what? Sure, let's try it. 
Um, and, and it was an incredible three months of being able to work with this brand new vodka brand to the U.S. Um, and really help them piece together their entire marketing plan of what does a full-blown launch look like in the U.S.? Um, and again, it was one of those things. Have I ever launched an alcohol brand before? Absolutely not. Um, but I have an, a very interesting breadth of experience from digital marketing to event marketing to partnership marketing and strategic partnerships that you know, a brand new company kind of needs to really understand all of its options and opportunities. And I can help put together a plan that makes sense and then build, you know, help them build a team that can really execute it all and, and be experts in that space. And so I just kind of came in from a leadership perspective and help piece all of that together for them um, in, in kind of a, a three month contract. Um, and part of that was taking on um, a new sponsorship with Miami Dolphins. And so I helped negotiate a contract with the Dolphins and started working with their with their sponsorship team on, you know, building new bars in the, in the stadium and kind of took came, you know, came back, put my figure skating hat on of partnership and partnership marketing yeah. and, you know, helped helped get that deal done. And then, you know, got a call one day kind of unexpectedly from the Dolphins and they said, um, have you ever thought about working in sports? <laughs> <laughs> and and I just started laughing and, you know, it's just one of those things where it just truly came full circle. And it was one of those amazing moments where you just kind of take a step back and, and think, you know, I truly helped to open all of these doors in in the most unexpected of circumstances mm -hmm. and somehow came full circle to where this NFL team wants me to come work for them. And, you know, I, I can't be more thankful for the experiences that I've had that have led me into this position. Right. Um, you know, you know, really just kind of taking the best of of every opportunity that was given to me and and just going full force and saying, you know, hey, yeah. you can do anything for a year. <laughs> yep, I, and, you know, and it led to this and it's been amazing. Yeah, well, I love it. And a couple of things really stood out to me. Like one, um, you taking the pandemic and taking that opportunity to build your skills. And and even though e-commerce might not have been your your jam, right? You you build a skill set that is huge for you in um, in experiential marketing and corporate activation and, and partnerships and partnership marketing and all that. And 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 then the other thing that that really um, stood out for me in, in hearing you talk because you may not remember this from from intro to sport management, but but I I talk a, a lot about how in sport we're working with lots of different clients and lots of different brands, right? Because there's so much crossover, um, you know, all of the major companies um, want uh, that sport platform um, as a way to enhance their brand. Right. And so, so Very for some true. students, I have some students who say to me like, well, um, how come this person's no longer working in sport? And I'm like, well, because the brand they were working with <laughs> hired them away, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, but yours is the opposite, right? The brand you were working with uh, ended up um, getting you a foot in the door. And I love that element of being able to go back and forth. I, I've known a number of people over their careers that have gone back and forth from brands to teams and, and, and whatnot. And, you know, uh, I think it's, I think it's just fabulous. And then the third thing I would say, and, and, and 
you probably you don't have a, a great perspective on this since you you <laughs> left before we really started in with the experience industry management um, element, mm-hmm. right? Um, but um, you know, we now teach experiential marketing. We were one of the first universities to have an official yes. experiential marketing course, and um, and then um, and now I'm now teaching sport marketing and the fan experience, and um, and so that's really cool. But um, you really have that experiential marketing background. You're 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 doing it. You're you're engaging in it. You're now engaging in the corporate activation, which is is very much experiential. Um, so I wonder if you can touch on if you are seeing in your day-to-day work um, that element of co-creating experiences with people. I mean, I know the answer already, but I, I want to <laughs> hear you say it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes, 100%. And I think, you know, even though we may not have, have quite coined it as experiential, you know, when, when I was with RPTA, I think that's exactly. one thing that, you know, um, Professor Kendi Root did a great job in, in her event classes is really drilling into us. You know, when you're creating an event, it's all about the experience. Like it's all about making memories, creating memories for people um, and really being two steps ahead of that, that experience creation to be able to anticipate what someone might want, whether they're a guest, it's all going to depend on their preferences. Uh, you know, and I, I think that's what also helped me be very successful from a marketing position as well. Um, you know, and, and even when you look at website development, they call it UX, it's user experience. It's how do you develop the best experience possible with whatever your intended outcome is. Um, and so, you know, when I was working for the experiential marketing agency, that is 100% what we did, you know, and that's, that's how we pitched our clients. That's how we created um, designs and event experiences and, and interactive experiences um, was really about identifying um, goals, target demographics, you know, who are you going after? What do you want them to feel and to talk about afterward? And then how do you create that impactful experience that's gonna you know, drill in a memory that they're not going to forget or they're gonna wanna talk about or they're gonna wanna take a selfie of or post on Instagram, right? And I think you know, that's, experiential is so ahead of the game at Cal Poly because you know, we've already seen this huge tide turn of you know, everything should be an Instagrammable experience. And I think that's where marketing is going. That's where communications is going. That's where um, you know, brands are driving to is, is creating that experience that someone wants to remember so much that they take a picture of. Um, and I think that's amazing that, that we're all already there and we're learning about it and we're you know, actively putting it out there. Um, you know, and, and how does that translate to the dolphins? I think, you know, partners, uh, corporations, um, they, they come to the dolphins because we create an experience for our fans. Um, we create an engaging experience online. We create an exp- uh, engaging experience in the stadium. Um, and it's one of those things where, you know, we consider ourselves a fan first organization. We want to think about your entire experience before you even get to the stadium all the way until well after you leave. What does that look like? How do we make sure that in a world where everything is going or has gone digital, that we're still driving ticket sales and we're still bringing in audiences in the stadium? If anyone's been watching the Dolphins, we are not doing well. So how do you still create an experience in the stadium that's worth going back to repeatedly, even when the performance on the field isn't 
as isn't what you're expecting or isn't what you're hoping for. Um, and I think from, you know, from a corporate partnership perspective, we do the same thing for our partners as well. And for our clients is how do we anticipate what they want? How do we help them, you know, measure, measure their goals and create an experience for them. That's going to make them want to re-sign that deal, you know, every four, six, you know, two years. Um, and so, you know, everything that you do is really layering in that experience for, for your client, for your client's, you know, goal consumer um, and beyond. So it's, it, everything is, is an experience and it's all about driving that home and, and being able to communicate that back effectively. I love it. And you know, you just verified for <laughs> you just verified for me what I suspected that that we had been te- we had been teaching a lot of it all along. And that uh, you know, uh uh Professor Root, uh Kendi, Kendi had been uh, had been teaching about experiences. We just weren't we weren't calling it that. So uh it really mm-hmm. ultimately was almost like a rebranding, right? And so uh it's true. Uh, yeah, I, I've said that to a number of people in our field in our academic discipline over the years that, that really it's kind of what we were doing, but we just weren't packaging it very well. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, I just love it. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, that articulation of, of what, uh, just, just now, um, was like a ma- that was like a, a master that we, j- we just had a graduate class in, uh, in corporate partnership activation. And, uh, so I, oh, I love, I love that. That is really great. I appreciate it. And, um, you know, I can't thank you enough for taking the time um, with us today. Um, you know, I know how busy you are. You're right in the middle of an NFL season and um, our, our listeners can't tell. They have no idea, but I know that it, <laughs> I know that it's late at night on the East Coast. And so I appreciate you staying up and um, and talking with us and giving back. And I know that's your nature. And um, but but I still really appreciate it. So thank you so much. Absolutely. No, thank you for having me on. It's, it's always great to, to stay in touch. Um, you know, like, like we said, there's our, there's always so many connections and, um, you know, our PTA and all the professors had such an amazing, profound impact on, um, you know, my career and, and my college experience. So can't thank you enough. All right. Awesome. So great to see you. Take care. Thanks. Have a good night. You too.